Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. Welcome to the Build Your Success Podcast. On this podcast, we like to build you so you can build others. We say build yourself and then build others. We do that with our guest to the podcast, and I am grateful today to have Wes Dove with me on the podcast. Wes entered the full-time workforce as a 15-year-old carpenter's helper. He did okay in school, but he was far more interested in making money than he was in studying. He first learned about leadership in his early 20s when he read the John Maxwell book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Two decades since have included some great experiences with a global manufacturing company and several small businesses, working in primarily safety and human resources, but always focused on developing the people around him. He launched his own business about five years ago and moved into it full time about two and a half years ago. So with that, Wes, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for the invite. Super excited about getting to share some time with you here today. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And everything you do for the John Maxwell team, of course, our listeners won't, may not understand that, but I do. And, and some of those that listen to the podcast know how, how much you're doing out there for all of us. So thanks for that. Listen, let's dive right into this interview. You had something in your application. And for my listeners, you know, you can always put in an application to be a guest at our website, www.buildcs.net. But, but in Wes's application, it says, I'm a high school pushout. So I've asked Wes to tell us what a high school pushout is. Oh, Brian, that could, that could be a two hour conversation, but I'll try to keep it to just a couple of minutes. Um, I didn't do bad in school. I was really, really bored. And somewhere around um, my, halfway through my freshman year, I realized, gosh, I could start working and make money. And there was some other distractions that I had that I just stopped taking books home and still got okay grades, but was kind of, just going against the grain of I'm not going to fall. I'm, I'm not willing to follow the, the masses and go to college because they told me to. And that wasn't necessarily popular, but, um, and it's probably made me work harder in some aspects, but it was just, gosh, get out of here. I remember needing to get an A on my final English exam to graduate. I remember so many other classes. One teacher says, if you don't, if you don't get a D, please don't take my class again next year. And it wasn't that I was bad, but man, I was bored. I wanted to do something not related to school. Yeah, I, I recognize and resemble that. I, uh, I thought that might be the answer to the high school push out. I, I barely graduated high school myself. In fact, my high, one of my high schools, I wound up attending five high schools. That's a whole different story. But uh, one of my principals was our neighbor down the street and, and he had my, the index card back then. They didn't have computers. So they uh, used an index card to write down the problems you had in school. And he showed me mine and he said, listen, he said, usually when the front of this card gets filled out, I send kids to opportunity school. Opportunity school was the trouble kids that got sent away from the regular school. And so he showed me the front of mine full and then flipped over and showed me the back half of the index card full and said, you're on your last <laughs> limb here. So uh, I tightened up and, and, and realized I needed to pay attention and not get in as much trouble. I, I like you, it was, it was more bored. It wasn't really mean and hateful stuff. It was just really bored with high school found ways to entertain myself and others. So class clown kind of guy. 
Yeah, uh, that's I enjoyed good. that comment about entertaining myself and others. Good stuff. <laughs> that's always been fun. Well, on your application here, you talked about great individual contributors earn promotions into supervisory and management roles, but often struggle because their organizations don't have the systems in place. What systems can these organizations put in place to give their leaders the how? So, Brian, I'll take you back just a little bit. When I was in my early to mid-20s, I'd worked my tail off. As you mentioned, I started working full-time when I was 15. I remember riding my bike, carrying my lunchbox on the handlebars, wearing my tool apron to and from my first construction job before I ever got a driver's license. I worked really hard, and, you know, just like a lot of folks, you, you, you tend to earn those promotions, but then you've got a whole new set of responsibilities. And, and that why and how, for me, it was, man, I'm in it. I'm at the deep end of the pool and I've got to figure this out. So that was around the time I read the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership the first time and started just trying to suck in every bit of John Maxwell curriculum that I was exposed to and a lot of others, but that was the one that I really was drawn to the most. And, and over those next 20 years, I had to look for everything I could find to devour. But as organizations, when they do that, what are those resources that can really support what so many folks call the soft skills, but it's really the skills that are fundamental for, 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 for developing culture, for making sure teams are cohesive, to make sure employee engagement, that's a buzzword I hear in the HR field a lot, to make sure folks are engaged and actually performing in a way that makes profit for the companies. And, and those often tend to be what are the pieces that help people communicate, that help people understand responsibility, self-discipline, um, and just some of those core soft skills that so many organizations overlook in, in light of the hard skills of how do we do the technical? That is so true. I had a previous guest. She, she said they're not soft skills, they're foundational skills. And so I think we all need to recognize that and learn. I, too, the industry I'm in, the construction industry, you know, we find the best welder or the best operator or the best carpenter, and that becomes the supervisor. And you hand him a, a computer and a, and a pen and a pad and, and a truck, and now he's a supervisor. And he, and, he, and he really doesn't understand how to use these new tools, how to communicate. Now, now it's no longer, he's no longer one of the guys or one of the gals. He, they are in this environment now where they have to lead. And we need to do a better job as businesses training and, and encouraging and coaching our employees. Yeah, I, I can think of two scenarios as in, in my first four years in manufacturing, when I was 19, 20 years old, I moved from construction into manufacturing and two supervisors I had. One was a, a pretty blunt and direct guy but he had learned every piece of equipment in the, in the department that we worked in. And he just knew everything technical and he worked up into a lead role and then he got a promotion to supervisor and he was super effective at the X's and O's, but my gosh, everybody working for him hated it because I mean, they're, they're, he was a jerk sometimes and you couldn't always trust what he was saying, but by golly, he knew the ins and outs of that department and could make a schedule like nobody's business. Now, the other supervisor who was on the opposite shift, similar path, the difference being he went through a more traditional college in, in his um, off time. He went through a couple years, got his associate's degree. He didn't know as much of the technical in that department, 
but he was just a nice guy and everybody liked him. He was just quiet and warm and so on, but people walked all over him and there was no in between. And I stress, I give you those two very, very different scenarios to say, neither of them were effective leaders. Both of them supervised very, very different. One got better results than the other, but neither led the people, neither got earned the respect of the people and the culture around them suffered because of that. No doubt. And I heard your examples. It reminds me of some of mine. I, one of my first superintendents guy was a genius when it come to construction, when it come to estimating jobs. And I tell everyone, I learned a lot from him, a lot of what to do and a lot of what not to do because his people skills were very lacking. Uh, he could really make people upset and aggravated and, and just not want to perform for him. You know, I like to say, you know, in our industry, we used to talk about tearing people up one side and down the other. Some of the dumbest comments we ever make, who wants to work when they've been tore up one side and down the other? Mm -hmm. I had a, another foreman, he'd come up to you, grab you around the shoulder and say, hey, what if we did it this way? And he'd present it to you as a question and you'd realize it was the better way to do it. And then you'd perform for him. And so just the way we communicate, I love this thought. Uh, Wes, tell us more about it. Um, gosh, so you and I have some common, common bonds. Um, one is our familiarity and love of not just the idea, but really the usability of the DISC model human behavior. And, you know, often when Cindy and I do work with companies, they'll throw out this assessment or that. And I'll stress, gosh, I'm not talking about assessments. I'm talking about a model, a framework, a science that's actually practical and usable. And, and that's helped me learn. And quite honestly, Brian, it was on a mind site as we were talking earlier, where I saw people with different colored stickers on their hard hats. And I watched a senior VP adapt the way he communicated to his entry-level summer water truck driver based on the, the colors of the stickers. And he would adapt to his maintenance guy based on the color of the sticker and communicate differently with them. And I'm going, man, there's something to that. And as I've learned about DISC, I go, gosh, outgoing task, me, straight and to the point. I've got to tone it down when I'm dealing with my wife if I want to stay married because she likes more details. She needs it a little bit slower paced. And she's also learned that for me, gosh, if she wants me to pay attention very long, get to the point and tell me the big picture. And then if I want more details, I'll ask. Otherwise, I'll just glaze over and ADHD will take over and so on. You know, that other common bond is... What I learned from John Maxwell is everyone communicates few connect when he said, you know, communication is a skill, not necessarily natural talent, and you can get better at it. And I went, praise God, I've never been talented at anything, but man, I can work hard and develop a skill. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, I love that encouragement from John as well. And I too, like you, I guess we have more in common than we knew the ADHD thing, man, I, I have to really focus to pay attention to people that are giving me way too many details. Uh, I've, I've learned the hard way not to ask my wife what color shoes did they have on. That's my way of telling her, you're telling me too much. <laughs> but uh, of course, then she shuts down because this communication style that we, we need to learn each other and we need to be willing to listen to understand. Uh, I've told myself this probably a hundred times and then multiple times on the podcast now, but listen to understand and not to respond. So thanks for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it a step farther and say, you know, one of my dear friends, his name's Chris, um, he shared with me the concept of the platinum rule. 
Now, most of us, regardless of your faith or religion or whatever, we understand some form of the golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And that's, that's cool. If you, you know, don't, don't hit me with the stick. Therefore, I'm not going to hit you with the stick. That's, that's makes sense. And I'm not going to fault the source that I learned it from. He walked around 2000 years ago and taught a lot of cool stuff. Um, but the platinum rule in regards to communication is in the thought process of do unto others the way they want you to do unto them. Because just to that point, our wives are wired different from us. God has that sense of humor and says, here, I'm going to put some opposites together, almost always. And if I'm going to do unto Cindy the way I want her to do unto me, man, she's going to leave me. I don't blame her because I don't want to be married to me. <laughs> and if she does unto me the way she wants me to do unto her all the time, that wears me plumb out. So how can we, how can we recognize, understand, and just adapt and apply that platinum rule? That's awesome stuff and great encouragement there. I, it kind of leads into this next spot I've got highlighted. Communication is one of my favorite topics. This is Wes speaking. And often the most underestimated skill in each level of nearly any organization. What I want to ask you to do, Wes, is give us some real world examples of how this skill is underestimated. And then how can we improve communication? What, what are, you alluded to it a little bit, but, but give us some more details. So... I learned nearly 20 years ago, Cindy and I have been blessed with a, a close friendship with two folks, a husband and wife that are veterinarians. And you would think that working on animals was their primary resource. And, and, and the husband told me, like I say, 20 years ago, he said, Wes, I can kill your dog, but if I tell you the right way, you'll bring every other dog you ever have back to me. Or I can fix your dog and tell you the wrong way and you're never coming to my office again. So it's not all about how good I am at, at being a vet. It's just as much about how good am I at communicating with you. And now, praise God, he's never killed our dogs. They have put a few to sleep as they've aged and so on. That's a different story. But that was a lesson that if it applies to a veterinarian, gosh, it applies to leaders in every aspect. And as a business owner, he had to lead. He had to communicate. And every, every organization I've seen to your point, whether it's in construction, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in manufacturing, the biggest difference between the supervisors and managers that are successful are really their communication skills and how effective they learn to, to get their message across and lead their people. And the simple tools, usually companies look for just ridiculously complicated things. But again, I'll go back to DISC and I, I don't promote that heavy because of any, one reason and one reason alone is it's simple and it's practical that we can apply it. It's real world rubber meets the road stuff. And then if you throw in some of the concepts that we've learned from John over the years, it's, it's not magic. It's very, very doable. And John uses the phrase so often, and I love it because I'm a chunky fellow, the cookies on the lower shelf, keep the cookies where we can reach them, make it simple so people can apply it. And then by golly, they might actually do it. You know, you and I both host Live to Lead, so that's something the listeners can find out about us and something that if you're in a, anywhere where there's a local Live to Lead, I, I encourage the listeners to find that and join it. This year it's going to be on October 9th, but I, my first Live to Lead was live, and I heard John speaking, and, and I sat there, because John will tell you how simple what he's teaching is. He said most of it can be found in Proverbs, right? Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought, because I'm also a Dave Ramsey guy, man, I love to save money and, and not spend as more than I take in. And I thought these two gentlemen have become very wealthy, giving simple real world principles 
The problem is they're simple to communicate. They're hard to commit to. And we need to learn all of us. Hey, I'm a simple person, but I can help others and do it simply. I say, keep it Brian proof because <laughs> that's just the way I am. Uh, but that keep it simple, stupid, that, that kind of stuff relates to me, but it, it relates to everyone. The, the simpler we make it, the easier it is to do, uh, but it's just going to take consistent commitment to make it happen. So that, that's good, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, what, what else can you tell us today? Well, so that word you just hit on is one that is near and dear to my heart. I've heard John talk about for years about how if you were to shadow him for a day, you'd get really, really bored um, because he's consistent. Here's what I do in the mornings. Here's what I do next. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. About two years ago, Cindy and I, a friend of ours, introduced us to some business partners he was working with. And he says, you know, this is Wes and Cindy. And they're some of the most consistent people I know. Now, we jokingly and lovingly refer to each other, Cindy and I, as being boring because we work a lot. But Brian, really, it's about consistency. And that's the biggest separator of self-discipline, consistency, and simplicity. Those tools are simple. They're not hard to apply, but that consistency and self-discipline to do it is really what separates, you know, somebody that high school push out like myself from the people that have a whole lot more talent and have a whole lot more formal education and have a whole lot more advantages, so to speak, from the folks that just are willing to be consistent and stink and do it. Wow. The listen up. If, if you're listening out there, take notes on this, this consistency and how important it is and simplicity. I mean, keep it simple. Don't, don't make it hard on yourself. Find easy steps that you can conquer today and start working towards them and conquering them. What, what kind of goal setting tools do you have for us? Um, I, I'm going to be honest and say that's where my darling bride is the one that really adds the value in my life. I'm the guy that is willing to charge hell with a water pistol and not, I, I'm willing to do it wrong and get it better the next time and improve the next time and improve the next time. She adds the structure to it. So, um, I, and one of the things I'd share is I'm more about what's my path look like than what's my, my goal. Um, and, and if I'm on the right path, I'm going to achieve goals along the way. And it, I, I'm not advocating that I don't have specific goals that I want to achieve in the process, but I've just never been one that's done as good having this big lofty goal as opposed to just making sure I'm on the process every single day doing the things that are going to move me forward. Um, you know, as I look back over the last 20, 20, 25 years, Brian, if you would have told me even five years ago, hey, Wes, here's some stuff that you'll get to do in 2020, um, I would have said, man, you're not. I'm going to drug test you um, because I just didn't see it. But the things that we've been so consistent about the path that we've been on has opened the door to bigger and bigger goals. And I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like I didn't answer your question there or even moved away from it. But if we're doing the right things along the way and have a picture of where we want to go generally, I think our goals continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, you definitely helped me. And I know you helped others out there because, because I'm similar to you. I, I don't have these great visionary long-term peaks. I'm just on a consistent growth path. And, and I'm amazed sometimes what I've volunteered for and where I've helped for a long, over a long duration, years, multiple years, what that has led to. And so I tell people all the time, you know, some things you, you volunteer for in life may prepare you 
for greater things in your career, greater things in helping the ability to help others. Uh, you know, I see you on LinkedIn a lot. I, I joined LinkedIn because I was looking for some mentors to help me with a construction mentoring program at a high school. Mm-hmm. And, and that led to connecting with people. And it actually honestly led to me joining the John Maxwell team. Right. The, the principal at the school I volunteered at was a John Maxwell team member. This principal came into the classroom and spoke to these students and encouraged them. We've got these professionals here that charge hundreds of dollars an hour for their time. And you students, this is an after-school program, and you're going to pay attention. You're going to respect their time. She was very diplomatic the way she spoke to them and very matter-of-fact. And I started following her on LinkedIn. She's a John Maxwell team member. That's how I became affiliated with the John Maxwell. That was my first introduction to the John Maxwell team. So, yeah, that's great. And for me, it was more, it was interesting. Cindy kind of pushed me, but I, like I said, I'd started paying attention to John. I saw him speak at the first simulcast in two, that, that I was a part or got to attend in 2001. And at that point, I'd done kick, hit college with a stick. I didn't pay attention much in high school, but I didn't know about leadership. And I heard John speak then and I'm like, dear God, that's different than anything I've ever heard. And I like it. And it's been, how can we continue to just absorb that and again, almost 20 years later, it's just been amazing where the, the consistent, nothing groundbreaking. If I look back, I can't point to anything that's been like, wow, there was that one thing. But consistency, there's just been some huge blessings that we've had from, from doing and doing and doing. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, Dave Ramsey earlier. I can tell you the investing side of that's the same way. Just a few dollars here and a few dollars there that keeps stacking up and keeps building interest and Hopefully we get over the coronavirus shock that our, the economy has seen. But definitely I've, I've watched that and realized, wow, that, that little bit I do consistently has grown to something that's going to sustain me one day. Yeah. In the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, John makes a comment about, um, and, and I'll butcher the quote exactly, but the intent that he makes in, the, in, in his comment is, Personal and professional development, just like finances, just like compounding interest, it compounds if you're willing to be consistent about that as well. And while on the front end, it seems like the time, the effort is more than you're putting in more than you get out on the back end, just like in an interest situation, you're going to get way more out than you're, you're putting in at that point. So it's just been a cool process. That's great. You know, you keep mentioning your wife, and I know you're a husband and wife team. Tell me how you work together to, to help others become leaders and training. Just give our listeners a, an, an idea of how y'all do this. Well, I tell people all the time at, at the last um, event in Orlando with the John Maxwell team I was at, I told a fellow that, that Cindy saved my life. And he said, you mean changed your life? I said, no, I, you heard me right the first time. I said saved because I was on a path that was maybe not the best. Um, and quite honestly, we worked in our respective industries for a long time. Today, we do almost everything together. When we're on site with organizations, we, we deliver the content together. Um, she was in healthcare for about 20 years, um, 25 maybe, whatever. She's also worked in manufacturing. I did a lot of time in manufacturing, but worked a lot in construction. So we, we have those different experiences. She was in sales and marketing. I was HR safety. Um, did a lot in lean manufacturing and things like that. So we've got the experiences, but as importantly, we've got very, very different delivery styles and communication styles that we can relate to almost every single individual that we come in contact with. And 
not from a perspective of I read it in a book and flew in on the plane and I'm going to spread all my knowledge that I don't really have tangibly. We got to live some pretty cool stuff. And, and it's just one of the biggest blessings in my life that we get to do that together. And, and I'll tell you, it wasn't easy to do it because most couples are like, dear Lord, I don't think I can work with my wife. And I'm like, well, praise God that I get to. That's great stuff. And I do, I, I see both of you out there making it happen and seem like you work really well together and comp, as you alluded to complement each other uh, and can, can reach people as, as you alluded to, she can reach people. You can't, you can reach people. She can't. And that goes back to these communication styles and how our, our leadership in our businesses need to understand the same thing. Everyone brings their unique perspective to whatever you're doing. Yeah, as, as we often see, so you see in the media, you see in a lot of organizations, that strong D, that d dominant direct um, behavioral style, communication style, tends to be the person that gravitates towards supervisory and management roles. And I'm one of them. Gosh, you can't score higher in D than I do. Um, and that's not a brag. That just is what it is. That's when I left the factory, that's the wiring I had, right? But what I'm going to stress is that's, I learned it's not natural born leader. It's natural born take charger. And every different behavioral style has incredibly strong leadership ability. And while my wife is a high, um, cautious and supportive blend, she can lead as effectively or more in certain scenarios than I'm ever going to hope to. She brings a level of compassion and patience and attention to detail that I just can't. And to think that that strong hard charger is the only person that's going to lead is, gosh, that's a disservice. So it's just neat to see those and see, wow, that, that strong, supportive, more shy, reserved, that person could be steady and strong and lead really effectively too. No doubt. And you and I could talk about DISC all day. I know. I do like that illustration where some people lead from the front, some people lead from the middle, and some people lead from behind. And, and all of them have reasons why that works. And sometimes you need to have two different leaders working with a group of people. So you get both attributes. But so listen, it's down to the end of the podcast. How can listeners find more out about Dove and, and Wes and your wife, the Dove development? How, how can they find out more about you folks? Um, Brian, we've, you mentioned we use social media pretty heavily, not because I enjoy it, but because it seems to be a necessity to be visible. Um, our, our website is dove-development.net. Um, and we've got a bunch of stuff for about three or four years. I've done a complimentary email series called a daily dose of leadership that, you know, for the guy that would have almost didn't graduate high school because he, um, didn't want to do English or write and dropped out of college for that same reason. It's kind of weird that I've now written somewhere in excess of 3 million words in that process. So um, it, it just, it, it's some of the ways we try to make an impact on a complimentary basis. And then if there's a need that we can fill later on, I, I read in a book that says, if you sow, you reap. And um, it doesn't say where, it just says, make sure I'm sowing in fertile ground and leadership's fertile ground. That's awesome. Well, Wes, it was our privilege to have you on the podcast today. Again, thanks for everything you're doing. For our listeners, I will include his contact information in the description of the podcast. I ask you, as always, if you are listening to this on a platform, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Podbean Podcast, wherever you're listening to our podcast at, do us a favor. Go out there and give us an honest review and rating. And if you'd like to uh, be a guest on the podcast, go to our website, www.buildcs.net. Check that out. You can also reach out to me via email, Brian B at buildcs.net.
Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.